Hello, hello, and welcome to the More Than a Plot Point podcast. I'm your host, USA Today bestselling author Jessica Cage, and we are here to discuss tales of fantasy that feature BIPOC characters at the forefront of the story. For years, we've seen so many narratives where BIPOC characters are represented as nothing more than a tool to further their white counterpart storyline. And well, (laughs) we're sick of it. So come along the journey with me as I talk about my stories, as well as stories written by other BIPOC authors, and hopefully you'll find a new character to love. Welcome back to More Than a Plot Point Podcast. I am Jessica Cage, and today we are here to talk about history and fantasy and magical realism. And my guest today is B. Sharice Moore, author of Dr. Marvelous Jen's Odd Scholars, and a day-to-day inspiration for me. And now, what I have realized is that on the show, I've spent a lot of time fangirling. And that is because I get to talk to people who first of all, have genuinely inspired me, but who I see making a meaningful impact on the genre and on the industry. And to be able to sit and talk to them and pick their brains, even for 20 to 30 minutes, is amazing to me. Um, B. Sharice Moore has been so open and warm with her knowledge and Her influence is just beyond measure right now. But I wanted to bring her in to talk about history and fantasy and magical realism because, again, I feel like she's the one that's making the impact that I'm seeing um, in this space because she's bringing our younger audiences into this, which is so important. And I, I love that the last few episodes have been focused on the impact that we can make on the younger reader because it's necessary. And I don't want to sound redundant, but I think often we, when we're writing these books, we're thinking of who can we sell them to? And a lot of times it's catered towards adults. And we have that vocal component with the adults who are able to say, I've always wanted this growing up. I've always wanted to read books like this when I was younger. But then you have to think about the generation that's coming up now who, you know, yes, they have more representation in, you know, media, but they still have that sense of longing for more. And we see it every day. Um, like with when uh, Little Mermaid was announced and they put the trailer out and we had all those videos of young girls and boys looking at the screen and saying, oh my gosh, she's black. We see it with Black Panther. We see it with any time any prominent um, movie or piece of media comes out and we, we show that to our children, we see that desire. We see that they've been missing. They've been longing for something. So I love being able to um, put the spotlight on the creators who are doing it because 
these this next generation is going to need them. They're going to want to have conversations with them and they're going to be motivated by them and they're going to create because of the impact that they're making. Um, I will be honest with you guys. History is not one of my strong suits. Um, I will research the same bit of information 20 times and I will forget it 21. Uh, my brain doesn't like it, but that's why I wanted to bring someone in who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> now, I will go and find the same information over and over again, but I don't retain it. So I wanted to make sure that this conversation was had with someone who genuinely loves the, the topic um, and is also doing something different with it. The way that B. Cherise is creating these worlds that uh, younger audiences can really gobble up, but then kind of sprinkling in real historical data that they can, you know, be inspired by and want to know more about is chef's kiss, you know, <laughs> and maybe had I had that type of storytelling when I was younger, um, I would be much more better, <laughs> much more better. Look at that. I'm, I'm losing English too. I would be better <laughs> at retaining the historical knowledge that I do um, seek out. So before I start rambling on more and more, I just want to get into the interview because B. Charisse gave us so much goodness in this interview, so much to take away. Um, and I hope that it influences not only the readers, but the writers out there to find a way to incorporate historical data and true elements into your storylines um, because she does it effortlessly, um, not effortlessly. I'm sure she puts a lot of work into, you know, data checking and all that, but <laughs> she does when you're reading it, it feels effortless. Um, and that's what we all really want at the end of the day. So let's get into this interview and I hope that you guys enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome again. I'm here with the wonderful B. Sharice Moore, author of Dr. Marvelous Gents Odd Scholars. And we are here today to talk about the history uh, in fantasy and magical realism. B. Sharice, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I appreciate it. I, I mean, I had to have you on. Uh, you are an inspiration for me. I don't know. And I know I've slid in your DMs a couple of times. Like, I just want to tell you that you the, the messages you post and, you know, the little tips and stuff have just motivated me so much. So thank you before we even get into the topic uh, for just inspiring other authors, including myself. And thank you for inspiring me. Girl, please. You are so prolific. What you got, like 50 books? <laughs> You write your behind off and you produce quality stories, beautiful stories, beautiful covers, and you are also as just as amazing as you say I am. So oh, I am inspired you. too. So thank you. We're just out here inspiring each other, you know, yes. and that's, that's awesome. Um, so let's get into our topic, history and fantasy and magical realism. And I feel like you are one of the best people to talk about this because <laughs> it, this is what you do, right? So um, kind of introduce us to why this topic is like home for you. Um, 
I've always been someone who was really, of course, into magic, first and foremost. I was an only child. I still am an only child, but, <laughs> you know, growing up, it was just me. And um, I took to folklore and fantasy early, you know, um, with Where the Wild Things Are. And then, of course, with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, The Witches, James and the Giant Peach, all of those Roald Dahl titles. And then I think that it was my, the, my mom really got me into history. Uh, I grew up in a town that was about 92 or 93% white. And so I was often like the only black child in my classes, especially once I got to high school. And so my mom would always uh, to supplement, you know, that experience to not supplement, but to uh, to make sure that I had a full and complete experience. She would make sure that she bought me books about African history, about the history of um, people of African descent here in this country, um, in the Caribbean, in South America. And uh, she would take me to museum exhibits all the time. You know, at least once a month, usually we would go on, you know, on museum trips just to make sure I knew who I was and I knew my ancestry, you know, so that I wouldn't be lost in any way. So, um, yeah, it just developed into a love of, of history. And like I remember in eighth grade, we were assigned a research paper. And um, it was our first time like using MLA format and all of that. But I appreciated it because we were able to choose our own topics. And so, like, I remember choosing to research um, Asar and Osset and ancient Kemet. And this was in eighth grade. So, yeah. like, then I graduated, you know, of course, you know, to other topics. So I think in 10th grade, it was Nat Turner's Rebellion. And then I think in 12th grade, it was the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. So I was just always um, really moved by history. And especially when you're, you're in a town that's um, discriminatory and you know, you're going to a school that's um, not very, it uh, wasn't always friendly or warm for me anyway. Um, that's what I did. I read books yeah. and I researched and I learned about history, specifically I black history. I wonder if that is a, is an only child thing. I, my son is an only child and he's so like, and I, it's not because of me, because I don't push him into magic and, you know, all of that. But he's so into like right now, his things is like researching the different deities and the structures mm -hmm. and gods and all that. So I wonder if that, that's just you guys way of like building your own little world. Um, for yourself. And I think that is so amazing. I, I love that your mother introduced history. So now we understand how those two sides of you kind of melded into one. Um, right. So why would you say like, what's the importance of like blending the history of BIPOC characters um, into that magical structure? Like what does, what do you think that does for your readers? Um, I think that we often underestimate how much uh, young people and adults know about history to make those connections. So like, um, sometimes I, I read books and of course you have the Percy Jackson series where, you know, um, Percy ends up finding out that, you know, he's a, 
half God himself, a demigod himself. And so his lineage is, you know, Greek. And, and then I would notice that, I don't know, here or there, um, there were starting to be uh, more stories from people of African descent where they could trace their lineage to, you know, African gods and goddesses. And, and I really appreciated that. Um, I especially appreciated that um, with Kwame and Belia. I mean, he, you know, Tristan Strong is not necessarily tracing him, his, his lineage to any gods, but I appreciated that inclusion, you know. Mm -hmm. um, same with Akata Witch. Um, because again, when you, you talk to a, the regular, schmegular, you know, average high school student or middle school student, they know a little bit about Greek mythology, but they don't know much about African, you know, folklore at all, you know, and if they do, it's not much beyond a Nazi, you know, uh, that's pretty much it. And even that, when you go to public school, that's rare, you know, a lot of the students haven't heard of a Nazi. So I just think it's important for us to be able to include that folklore um, and that lineage in the fiction that we write and use it as a foundation you know, because it, it's, it's just as rich, just as amazing, just as intriguing and, and beautiful, you know, as the Greek mythology and the Roman mythology that we've been told that we have to know, and it is canon, yeah. you know, in academia. Yeah. And I didn't really even learn that much about African mythology and history until I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm like buying whatever books I can find that's like telling me the different African folklores and stuff that I can dive into. Because it is, it's a shock when you get to a college setting and you're looking around, they're like, okay, we're going to start talking about mythology. And they pull out this book of African. And I'm like, what is right. this? And right. it's, it's not that, I don't think I didn't think it existed. It's just, it was never presented to me in that way. And so um, it's like, it's, it's kind of eye-opening, like, okay, how many more stories are there that I just don't know? And then you see the correlations between the Greek myth and, you know, and you start deep diving. So I love that you're presenting these different stories and elements to your readers. Are there, are there elements that you typically would decide to omit from your storytelling? <laughs> That's so funny you should say that because, um, right now, I'm working on Fangs, Feathers, and Folklore, and that is a middle grade field guide to African mythological creatures. And that'll be released next year. It'll be my first traditional publishing release from Algonquin Young Readers. And um, <laughs> my editor, Sarah, and <laughs> Sarah and I have had a lot of discussions about what to keep and what to omit, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's really funny because when you look at Greek mythology, a lot of those myths have been highly sanitized. Like those myths are nuts. Yeah. You're talking about rape and incest and all extremely violent, you know? And so it's like, hmm, you know, the Medusa that we know is so unfair. Oh my it's gosh. Like... <laughs> so when I uh, researched Medusa for my book, I was reading and one of my friends is actually, he went to school for like, that was his degree, like Greek mythology. So I would be on the phone with him like, what, what, <laughs> like, what is world. this? And he would send me more material to read. And I was like, this is not the story. Like this, this is tragedy, you know? 
it's so tragic so yeah. tragic and so um the fact that this will be the like the first middle grade field guide can you believe that isn't that insane that, that this is. will be the first this is middle historical it I is it's, cr it's crazy so um because of that there are some like creatures that i'm like oh, nah he can't be in this middle grade <laughs> <laughs> Girl, some of them are just, and I don't even know who's going to be listening to this, so I can't even tell you why they won't be included. Just know that there's some things. Oh, man. <laughs> some of these creatures that are really like, some of them highly sexual. Mm. Some of them just really just far out, you know. Um, but I was still able to find what is, I think this collection includes 48 creatures. Oh wow! I'm so, gonna I'm gonna you know, make myself a note to hit you up for the other ones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, no. We can definitely talk. I'll give you some notes, girl. Oh, awesome! Oh, yeah, there. because I, it, and it's like like you said, you you want to give them all of the history, right? But it's still middle grade, and there's still a limit. And then you don't want letters from parents. Like, what is this? I, exactly, exactly. So. <laughs> And so your audience is typically um, YA, right? You're you're reaching um, towards the younger audiences. Yes, I haven't really. I mean, yes, for the past ten years, I would say it's been YA mm -hmm. and middle grade, and like the book that I'm writing now is middle grade, um, and that's a novel. And then I have um, some picture books that I'm writing as well for um, even younger students, elementary. Mm -hmm. So and I, but I, I love writing for children. I started out writing for children and then I like, I found some like instant success, which was really weird in like the mid 2000s. I yeah. sent out, back when they were accepting um, unsolicited manuscripts, I had this amazing book that I was writing about like a group of teenage boys who were um, searching uh, New Orleans for like a, a treasure and like, I just sent it out and I was shocked that like somebody actually wanted it and then it wasn't finished and it like clammed up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not finished. What do I do? And then when I finally finished it and sent it to the editor that asked for it, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm moving to another company. But I always kept that in the back of my head, like, okay, I have what it takes. Um, I just have to make sure that I don't make these mistakes again. You know, um, and so so after that, I wrote an adult novel, but then I, I just moved back to kids because I just find them easier to write for. And I also just feel like at that time, anyway, when I started, I just didn't see enough, you know, books from black authors, you know, in the schools. That it was part. it was crazy. And I was like, why is it, what is going on here? You know, like no disrespect i love roll of thunder hear my cry but that can't be the only book yeah <laughs> this is ridiculous you know and then um when i left the schools finally you know you started to see jason reynolds and so okay jason reynolds you know you're starting to see his his books approve especially um uh he has a a series um about a a guy that runs track and why is that not coming to my brain but um anyway he has that series and i taught that ghost Whew, glad it came back so he has the ghost series and then he has another um novel and verse that i absolutely love uh long way down mm -hmm. and that was um 
I don't know. That was having some problems being approved, I think, because of curse words. I don't remember something. But um, I just wanted that, you know, I wanted our children to have more books that, you know, they could read and actually enjoy. And so that's when I settled in on middle grade and YA. And that's such a that's a common thing. Like everyone that I've been talking to has said the same thing. Like I, I look out there and I see a lack. And one of the one of the things that shocked me was that the material was there. It just wasn't pub- publicized. Um, I talk about L.A. Banks a lot. I love L.A. Banks, but I didn't know about her until I was like, you know, grown almost. You know what I mean? Me too. Like, and when I found L.A. Banks, I just I couldn't stop reading her. I couldn't stop. And then I just started to follow her. Yeah. And then, and I mean, like, literally, no, like, if she's going to be at this bookstore, I'm driving I'm be there. her. <laughs> and like, and she became such an inspiration to me. And I, I don't think I talk about LA as much as I should, mm-hmm. but she is, an, she was an incredible sister. Like she came and she sat and she talked to me for like an hour. She didn't even know me. Wow. And she talked to me and then she gave me her editor's phone number. It was like, here, contact my editor. Tell her, you know, that I, I told you to contact her, you know, and yeah. then in a blink, she was gone. Yeah. And it was, I literally cried. I could not believe that LA was gone yeah. so quickly. And I, and I've known so many people who like, I'm one degree away from her, but through so many people. And I'm just like, I found out about her the year before she passed so I was just like I was this close to being yeah and I hear the same thing like the conversations just how nice she was how open she was for everyone and so warm you can feel that through her work though you can can. feel it through her work so anytime any like there was a list that like listed like black you know uh authors and science fiction fantasy and I saw my name on the list with hers and I was like I done made it right right (laughs) yeah no that's true right that's true like ever gotten like thank you so much whoever wrote that you know um but it is it's so important to create this material that our and I I love seeing people doing it for younger audiences because most of the people I talk to are adults or you know erotica or whatever and it's like yeah that's great but there's a whole generation coming up behind us that are feeling the same way we felt when we were their age and they're they're looking to find themselves so I love what you're doing and I'm just so excited to you know to I get to have conversations with you like you were with uh, LA Banks I love it um so let's talk a little bit about Black Herman um the man that uh, inspired uh, Dr. Jen's Odd Scholars. So basically, I I went down a rabbit hole with this book. I knew that I wanted to marry magical realism um, with history, mm-hmm. but um, I started to think about the things that I loved as a child. And I already mentioned magic. There was a time when I thought I was going to be a magician, but that didn't work out. <laughs> I think my mom bought me like a magic box or something like that. And I was like, this doesn't even work. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> but um, there was that. But the, I also fell in love with amusement parks. Mm. Right. And so I started to think about amusement parks. And I was like, wait a second. In the 1920s, because I knew I wanted the, the novel to take place in the past, in the 20s. I just have this thing about the 1920s and 30s. And I said, 
wait a second. This was during segregation. This is during Jim Crow. We weren't allowed to go to amusement parks. So what did we do? And I started to like peel back the layers and research. And oh my God, I found out there were black amusement parks, black mm -hmm. owned and operated amusement parks. I had never heard this before in my life. Yeah. And there were more than one. And one of them was in Washington, DC, Suburban Gardens. And it was crazy because during that time when I was writing Dr. Jen's Odd Scholars, I would drive, a, drive past it every day, the same place really? where, yes, where the amusement park was, which was on Nanny Helen Burroughs, which is in Northeast DC. And so then I started digging again. I was like, okay, there had to have been some black magicians. And so I find this book called Conjure Times and uh, Black Magicians in America. And mm -hmm. this is by Jim Haskins and Kathleen Benson. And then I just start to dig some more and I'm like, oh my God, there's a whole tradition of black magicians in this country. And then I find Black Herman. And not only was Black Herman like a magician, he was also like really politically charged mm -hmm. and he was a follower of Marcus Garvey. Oh. And so I started to think like, oh my goodness, if he's a follower of Marcus Garvey and he would incorporate um, his back to Africa politics, some of them anyway, you know, into his, into his magic acts. And he would make these talismans that would like supposedly ward away racism. <laughs> you know <laughs> right, right exactly and this was in the 1920s and he was like really successful mm. and then i started digging a little bit more and like apparently like he was this really handsome like tall well-built guy he was like six two six one six two you know uh muscular and he also had this like um he started developing these products for uh for health these like health products and like these serums you know what i mean for like healthy skin and and you know things like that and maybe cleansers and he and his wife had like a mail order course girl this is back in the day so basically wow. they was doing a zoom class they, was ahead of <laughs> they were and they were very very well off he made a lot of money mm. and so i just thought to myself what would this look like if it were a woman, mm. you know, and what would it look like and what kind of barriers might she have to, you know, and obstacles might she have to overcome? And um, what if she has this idea for an amusement park that is modeled after the African continent? And um, she goes to Marcus Garvey and asks Marcus Garvey to invest in the Motherland Amusement Park. So, um, yeah, I just started to dig deep and, and that's where I came. That's where I found Black Herman. Yeah. And I love that, you, again, you incorporated that real history into it. Mm -hmm. um, how did you handle tying in like real, you know, political um, people like Marcus Garvey? Like that's, you know, I know like sometimes we try to bring the impression, but people's team tend to steer away from the real people and like come up with someone that's like a mirror image of them. So how did, how do you handle when you want to bring in like real people that I'm, I'm assuming you're doing this so that your, your readers can then go and research Marcus Garvey right. and learn more about him. So how do you handle that? Um, I just made sure that I was 
as respectful as I could be mm -hmm. to their memories. That's why Dr. Jen is not Black Herman himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So she's someone totally different. But any of, and she's totally fictional, of course, but any of the other characters, you know, who I brought in, I just made sure that they were always painted in a positive light. Because I think about, you know, the fact that even though these people are ancestors now, they still have families. Yeah. You know what I mean? They still have, you know, an estate. They still have people there that are looking. Mm -hmm. And I always just ask myself, okay, if, you know, Garvey was my aunt's, my direct ancestor, you know, how would I want him to show up? How would mm -hmm. I want to read about him if I stumble upon it? And um, so I just made sure that I was extremely respectful of their legacy and of the work they, they've done. I love that. Do you ever consider like one day opening up your email or picking up the phone and like, hey, I'm his great, great, great granddaughter? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, hope that um, never happens. <laughs> no, no, right, right, right. I mean, I, but, but again, it's so funny because Black Herman has like a great, great nephew that mm -hmm. has been trying to tell his story for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And so I follow him on Facebook every now and then. He's um very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> about his his great uncle you know what yeah. i mean and his legacy and um i had some conversations with some people who had actually talked with him before so i was really careful you yeah. know um to sidestep him because I, I knew about about him and his passion so um yeah i just did it so that you know anybody that read it nobody would have anything to say like they wouldn't yeah. be able to say oh what are you doing why are you why'd you say this about my you know yeah, my my, my great 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 uncle. No, <laughs> it was always oh, this is great. I love that you're bringing you know visibility to their name, and yeah. you know they're so obscure. And I also like to deal in like really obscure people too. Mm -hmm. So like you know, Black Herman is still very pretty obscure. Not your know, average person doesn't really know who he is. Yeah, I had no idea who. Mm -hmm. And then of course, I try to prepare myself before I have these conversations. And I went down the Google and Wikipedia and, you know, <laughs> and right. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I was like, wait a minute, because I'm reading the blurb and I ordered the book and I know it says her thing park, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, okay, so it's not exactly the person that I'm reading about, but right. it did the same thing for me that I'm sure it does for a lot of your readers. You go right. down the rabbit hole and you're like, who is that? And I'm like, what like I had no exactly idea. and it, again that that it links back to what you were saying where it's like you don't know how much history your reader knows so this opens up this whole and it's like magical history too right and I think that's right. what just excites me like it's real history but it's magical and that is amazing um so I just, I, there's so many things that I want to say to you, uh, but we are running a short on time, but I do want to thank you because um, the reader or the listeners need to know that you helped me um, check off uh, one of my author <laughs> bucket list items um, by producing, editing Conjuring Worlds, which is an Afrofuturistic textbook for middle and high school students. Um, and I cried like a baby when I held it in my hand the first time. I was like, I've done it. This is my dream come true. <laughs> um, and I love that. It's like you're, 
you are really hitting all the points when it comes to our younger audiences. You're giving them novels, you're giving them guides, you're giving them textbooks. So it's like, whether they're going to pick it up from a bookstore, they're going to have it in the classroom. B. Sharice Moore is there. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. So before we, you know, we go off, um, what inspired you to want to do textbooks and and to kind of um, reach so broadly for your audience? Um, And you're welcome, by the way. And I have to tell everyone that I piloted a few of the stories from the textbook and the captive fae, which is Jessica's story, (laughs) is absolutely one of my students' favorites. They loved it. And it just stimulated so much conversation. It was great. So thank you. It was such a, a wonderful addition. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I I, I told you, I was talking to my cousin about it. She's like, Jessica, remember we were little and she reminded me like you, you said you wanted this to happen. And I was like, I did. And I cried again. But anyway, Uh, back to, that's so funny. Back to your text, uh, your question about the textbooks. My, um, my master's degree is in curriculum writing. And so, um, uh, learning about curriculum, how it's written, and I've also written curriculum myself. Um, I just wanted to create something that was, I don't know, made for black folks. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and something that was, I don't want to say made for them because I, I don't want to sound off-putting because it's made for everyone, but something that centers us, you know? And um, because that it just doesn't happen. And I, I noticed that when you like beg for representation and you hope for representation and you lobby for it and you want to get a seat at the table. And after a while, I was like, hell, I want to make my own table. Like, this is mm-hmm. stupid. You know what I mean? Like, stop begging. And, and I mean, it took a lot, girl. You know that thing. Oh, my God. That yeah. thing almost killed me. It took two years to put together. So it was a lot of work. But I'm really proud of it. I, I'm proud that, you know, it's being used in a few, you know, homeschooling collectives. Mm-hmm. I'm proud that it's been embraced. And I just knew that we needed something different. I knew that um, I wanted young people to see something else because even when you do uh open up a textbook like how many poems in in a textbook are by people of color yeah i mean it's a handful Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's still it's still not even steven you know what i mean it's not equitable across the across the uh the board you know and you're still going to have the same poets poets who i love but you're not you're going to have gwendolyn brooks be real cool Mm -hmm. you're going to see you know um, something by Maya Angelou. You'll see something by Langston Hughes. Oh, yeah. And then you may see We Wear the Mask. I'm seeing We Wear the Mask less and less, actually. Mm-hmm. And you might see uh, Claude McKay. But like, other than that, who else do you see? And then uh, Lucille Clifton. You know, you might see some of hers. But that's what? Four poets. Come on. Yeah. And, and then all of them are dead? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and have been dead, girl. Yeah. Like, they haven't, they didn't just die. Yeah. Respectfully, they've been out of here for a while. Yeah. Oh, wow. And as much as I love them and and I am inspired by them, I just want, like, a, I don't know, like, can we have more? And then short stories, please. You really don't see any short stories by Black authors. 
where and it's it's like build the bridge between the what what's here now you know what i mean like one of the things that that i've talked to my son about is that the materials that he's reading like he can't go and follow these people he can't go and and go to um classes or, or orientations or whatever speeches there's no interaction with the people that he's reading these stories from give that that living connection to to the students that's necessary and again we love them for what they did but they are no longer here and their messages it are still living on through the people that they inspired exactly. so it's like let's let's roll it forward let you know bring that conversation to the newer generations that are still here and can still um, talk to people, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I love everything that you're doing. Again, I, I'm on Facebook whenever you, any post, you know what? I'm one of those people that when people post a long status, I will scroll on by. And I know it's bad, but if I don't care what you post, I'm reading every <laughs> word because I find such value in just the messages that you put out there and the positivity that you spread. Um, it is really just, it's contagious and I love it. And thank you so much um, thank you. for all that you're doing. Um, I like to wrap this up by asking my guests to give our listeners just a final word. Hmm. A final word. Let me think about maybe history and um, the topic at hand. I, I guess I'd probably say um for us to remember that like our our educational system our education system is not centralized and because it's not centralized there's a lot that isn't covered and i think my only hope is that people understand how much rich and fun and engaging history that's out there that we have no idea happened. <laughs> and a lot of that history, I wish, I don't know, I, I, I look at it, I come across it and I say, my God, how much more engaging would my history class have been if we talked about this? Yeah. You know, and so I just want people to get excited about doing their own research because there's so much obscure history out there that we can use as fodder for our stories that um, many people don't know and it's been buried. So I would just encourage people to research, you know, to try and uncover those things, those morsels. Thank you so much. Yes, people get out there, research and learn your history. It's like she said, it's not focused on us is not centered on us so we have to put the work in right um thank you so much again for being here um and everyone please go and check out dr marvelous jen's odd scholars you know i will be linking all of the wonderful beach Moore's information so that you can follow along with her journey and you can look out for everything that she has to come thank you thank you so much jessica i appreciate you I'm like gushing. (laughs) (laughs) What did I tell you? So much information, so much knowledge. The, I just, I, I gobbled it all up and you guys heard me. I was gushing over B. Sharice in this interview. 
She did an amazing job expressing her process and her inspiration behind what she does. And I'm honestly just so excited to see all that's coming. I know that her name is going to be, and remember, you as know, always, a, a nationwide treasure. She's going to be in every household. So much more. And I'm going to be like, I was able to talk to her and interview her way back when. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening in. Please, please, please go and check out everything that B. Sharice Moore has to offer from her textbooks to her novels to more, to more, to more. Um, keep up with what she has going on because I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss out. All right. We will be back uh, in two weeks with our next episode featuring Peyton Banks. We're going to switch it up and talk a little bit more about romance. I know that some of my listeners are are longing for that. So come back and uh, listen to what Peyton has to tell us. And as always, remember, your story is worth so much more than a far point. Thank you.